0: Mr.
1: Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney!
0: It's not like it's not like. And hey, now I'm a movie star. It's not like that right? kind of like hush <laughs> hush, unofficial. It's just like, and I, you know, I pitched a pilot, and NBC picked it up. Like that's not what happened here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me go ahead and squash those dreams no, uh, and why say I that the this is with you, so I
1: could ride your coattails. <laughs> oh. Right.
0: This is this is like normal people. Good news. <laughs> I can continue to like live the way I live, good news.
1: Sure.
0: <laughs> I can continue to sustain my already somewhat sparse way of living. There you go. But if anybody knows like a producer that's like waiting to hear a pitch, I've got Listen, a couple, so
1: right. We already heard the uh pancake Oh yeah. If anybody if you if Pedro anyone's got an pancake.
0: entrepreneur that wants to <laughs> invest in a restaurant i got a pitch there but i'm talking like creative projects tv and movies or or books i've got i got a handful of pitches for anybody that wants to hear a pitch so if anyone listens to this podcast that works in tv or movies or children's lit uh let me know i got a couple of pitches for you
1: this is a pitch corner with skylar <laughs>
0: that could be a fun podcast right like shark tank but it's a podcast and it's about pitching that could there's be something fun. there there's something there so if anybody wants to talk to me about my pitching <laughs> podcast, my podcast pitch where we pitch projects. Yep. I'm
1: very <laughs> podcast interested
0: in all the alliteration pitch where that's gonna we come. Pitch with that yep. My project my my project pitching podcast pitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we can just add a bunch of different P words all together and it can just be called like the P P P P P P P, P, P.
0: Uh-huh. There's not like a lot of They're adjectives short. that start with P. Maybe there are. <laughs> I
1: was just, I was gonna try—I was gonna try to think of something, and then mm-hmm. I just—I don't know, my Name, brain just name some adjectives it.
0: that start with P. Pink, puny, pathetic. These aren't good words. <laughs> these aren't um, good words. These are these are, nice. these are negative. Powerful. Oh, all right. The powerful project. The the powerful podcast pitch project pit project I'm... pitch podcast.
1: And powerful project pricey. pitch podcast, <laughs>
0: pricey and powerful pricey project pitch Uh huh. There's some.
1: There's some. We've got. We've got words on. I both spoke sides. too soon. Good there, words, are, there words, are plenty of adjectives
0: words. that. All right. There are plenty of adjectives that start with P. So <laughs> that was not true. That's okay. Performative. Well, Is Ooh. that an adjective? Yeah. Is it?
1: Why wouldn't it be?
0: Well, does it describe a noun?
1: If a person... I guess you, you could say, like, you're
0: performative.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: In which you are describing a person. So, yeah, you're describing a noun. But you, I guess it could also be an adverb, right? Where you could say, like, oh, that speech was so performative.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? And
0: then it's an adverb.
1: I feel like that's how it's most commonly used, but it could be an adjective. But is it
0: is it an adverb? Because is it, is it does it become an adverb... Because I'm describing an action, but the speech is, an a- is not an action if I'm referring it into it that way. Because then an adverb be is a- how you did, how you performed an action. Like he perform, he, he performatively spoke. He spoke he performatively. Spoke performatively. <laughs> that would be an adverb. Yes. But saying that the speech was performative, then the speech becomes a it thing. Becomes- Therefore, speech yes. is a noun and a performance and adjective. Mm, grammar.
1: <laughs> and now we're pitching our grammar podcast. This is our grammar
0: cast, all right, in case it's been a while since you've broken down the differences between adjectives and adverbs, um, let's yeah. hit you with them, all right? Listen. Let's take it back to, like, what, second grade English class, maybe?
1: Yeah, man. Literacy?
0: Language arts, that's what Rock, they call it. Language all arts. of
1: Schoolhouse Rock is on Disney+, Plus, so if you haven't given it a watch in a while, go back and do it, because I if mean, you I grew up in the 90s... You will go down memory lane, that's for sure.
0: You want to talk about memory lane in the 90s? I just watched on Hulu yesterday, The Orange Years, um, which is a documentary about Nickelodeon.
1: Oh, Nickelodeon
0: from creation through like 2000, basically. It was pretty good. It was well made. It was pretty interesting. And then I mean also in in general like it was it was neat listening to them talk about like the just evolution of Nickelodeon and but and it's kind of wild when you think about it. it's like they had they had cartoons, they had scripted live action series, they had sketch comedy, they had games and sports, mm-hmm. they had news like they were your one-stop shop for for programming.
1: Well, great. Ooh. Welcome. Well, anyway, speaking of 90s nostalgia, Here we are, talking about Boy Meets World, because this is The Feeny Call. And I'm Megan. I'm Skyler. And today, oh, I'm so excited for this episode today, because it is just such a good one. Season 5, episode 13, The Eskimo. And I'm going to kick us off with a little trivia. I actually have a couple little pieces of trivia. The first one being... In the 1998 Super Bowl, which happened on January 25th, it was not what we are led to believe, which was the Philadelphia Eagles were not in the 98 Super Bowl. I'll just say that. The Denver Broncos were playing the Green Bay Packers and the Broncos won. So that's who was actually playing.
0: I do remember very specifically noting at the end when they're watching the Super Bowl and Chubbies that Eric and Alan are both wearing generic, no-named, yep. red and blue jerseys. Yeah, uh, and,
1: uh, regardless of whoever is playing, whether they're going via the actual Super Bowl or the route of the somebody else is playing, the Broncos are blue, I believe, but yes. the Packers... No, neither is red. So I don't know who Alan is cheering for. (laughs) I don't know what Alan is doing there in his red. And like, not only just a red shirt, if he were just wearing a red shirt, I'd be like, okay, he's in a red shirt. But he's in like all red, red cap, Uh everything. And so I'm like, "Mm
0: -hmm." yeah, no, I don't. So I don't remember it being said on the radio or otherwise who was playing. I do know that the apparently it is being played in California. They say, I think Corey says something to Sean about like getting to San Diego or something.
1: So, yes, that was the Super Bowl. It was Super Bowl uh, 32. My second little piece of trivia is how Sean got into the Super Bowl. Because upon my research for trivia for this episode, I stumbled across this article that was written in February of 2018. And the author of this article, his name is Josh Sorakach or Sorakak, I'm not really sure. He does like a article or recurring um, piece called Unsolved Pop Culture Mysteries. And so this is one of the unsolved pop culture mysteries he was looking into. Why did he go to or how did he get into the Super Bowl? So he actually wrote to Michael Jacobs and Michael Jacobs wrote back. And this is what (laughs) he had to say. (laughs) So I'll just read you the paragraph that Jacob sent back. He said, the Eskimo is one of my favorite episodes in the series. Feeney's students believing the second half of high school senior year should coast by. There's nothing left to teach them. So Feeney goes past the bonds of their friendship to instruct them to trust themselves as individuals. Do the impossible, or why bother? So although it doesn't matter how it was done, just that Sean made the attempt and defeated his own inner Eskimo, let me tell you what I always thought he did. No secret that Sean's relatives are on the shady side. So certainly one of them could have come up with an upper deck end zone seat. But Sean had better than that. How? Well, don't forget, a year earlier, Sean was in the good graces of the mob. I always figured he called Mr. Fontaine and Mr. Martini, and they put their boy right on the 50-yard line. So in the end, the lesson is that if you put your mind to it, nothing is impossible. It also doesn't hurt to be connected. He goes on to ask Michael Jacobs, okay, so the assignment was to get two tickets, so what happened to the second ticket? And Michael Jacobs said, turns out the radio station put the Eskimo in the end zone, and Sean, seeing him there, gave him the second ticket on the 50-yard line. The Eskimo, impressed, bought Sean an ice cream cone. Case closed. So there you go. That's how Sean got into the <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing.
0: Oh, wow. That is very funny, that all of that is has been fleshed out by the show's creator. That's great.
1: I love that. That was a thought that he had. Of okay, we wrote this thing, and yes, it's fiction, so it doesn't necessarily need to have roots in reality. But what if it did? Uh-huh. What would that look like? And so well, I. Just that's love funny.
0: That. I was gonna. I was gonna. That was gonna be a thing I was gonna like theorize with you about. But I guess now that's moot. So. Oh,
1: sorry. <laughs> that's okay.
0: <laughs> No, that's great. That's good.
1: So now, I guess we should have done a recap before that, because if you haven't watched the episode recently, uh, that probably won't make a whole lot of sense to you, unless you, I mean, this is a pretty famous episode, though, so you probably know what's going on. However, it is my turn to do a recap. Oh, no. (laughs) Just three, two, one. So Sean and Corey uh, are complaining about the fact that they don't need to learn anything because they've already sent in their college applications. Sean's just like, I don't know. I don't think I can go to college because even if I could get in, I can't afford it. Feeney's just like, OK, everyone get out. And he tells Sean to get some Super Bowl tickets. He tells Corey to help Sean get Super Bowl tickets. He tells Topanga to stay out of it. All three of them either fail, pass or fail. And so Sean is going about his journey, trying to get Super Bowl tickets, goes up on this billboard and tries to compete in this contest. Can't get them. He feels like his whole life has been just things, obstacles getting in his way. And so finally, he decides that he's going to overcome it once and for all. And he's going to um, go get the Super Bowl tickets at all costs. I think I'm done. I didn't even get to (laughs) the plot. And Eric and Jack Uh, go on dates and they try to change them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh Uh-huh.
1: Try to switch them up. Yeah, I think I'm done. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're done. You're
0: done. A lot happens in this one.
1: It does. Ugh, I just love everything that happens in this episode. You can tell already from the get-go, there's a new setup happening in this episode that's different than any other episode because it just gets serious right right from the start. Two minutes in, Feeney's yelling. We're having a very serious discussion. It's still funny and comical in those little moments. Like when Corey's like, you yelled at me, but I'm Topanga. But it just, mm-hmm. it kicks off in such a serious way that I don't remember ever thinking before this.
0: Yeah. I, I'm, I've, I've always felt intimidated by the beginning of this episode a little bit. It's, it's, uh, it's got some heat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What did you learn? Think,
0: what did I learn? Um, uh, there's a lot of different you could you could parse out some different lessons from this one. You could, you've got a, a little bit of a buffet in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to the kind of main main point I think, and that is there is always more to learn.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you are you are never done growing, and as soon as you think you are that's probably when you need it the most.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: I think there are a lot of smaller lessons that you could take from each individual character, mm-hmm. but I think the, the big lesson that we get from all of them is that you are, uh, as soon as you think you're done learning, is when you probably need to learn something most.
1: Absolutely. I would agree that that's kind of the overarching um, overarching lesson of this episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think our smaller lessons have a lot to do with, like, getting out of your own way.
1: Yes. Um, So I kind of rerouted to more of, like, the more of Sean-specific you that you have to want it in order for things to change, in order for things to happen. Like, rarely do things just happen to you. In order to affect change, you have to really want that especially when it comes to your situation or your mindset or something happening to you you have to want that change in order for it to be affected because if you don't really want it nothing's really going to change yeah rarely things just like happen (laughs) as we become adults we realize that nothing happens all right
0: well and it's important for you to want it too right because in this whole thing Corey wants it for him and it's not enough and so Yes. I think, I mean, and then, you know, Corey learns that it's not enough for him to want something, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Others have to, to want, want something it for, for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Topanga, yep.
0: Topanga learns that there is beauty in failure.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's really, uh, that's always my favorite lesson is learning that like failure is an opportunity.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to me as we get to the end of this season, where she has this whole thing with Minkus about the seven hundred A's that. Oh yeah, this doesn't line up. <laughs> no, how she could have an F because I'm sure Minkus doesn't. So maybe Feeney decided to go easy on her and pass her anyway. Is my thought on I, that?
0: I I would I would think that there are not real grades entered into the grade book based on these definitively not (laughs) schoolwork-related assignments. (laughs) Fair. Absolutely fair. Um, Personally, I mean, I I think, obviously, they have a special relationship, but to enter actual um, schoolwork grades based on these individual assignments that are decidedly unrelated, and for Topanga and Corey, at least, unmeasurable. um, Yes. (laughs) Uh, it's, yep. It would not really be fair. And so I'm going to assume that these don't actually go down in the grade book.
1: Checks out. Checks out. I I, would, these are, I stand by These that. are
0: more like Feeny's disappointed in you kind of Fs, you know, which oh, makes yeah. things
1: more. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, probably not to them because they're used to his disappointment. But I mean, from the outside perspective, I'm like, oh, no.
0: Yeah. I would be as, so sad. As a one who exclusively craves the attention and approval of. Of a Mr. Feeney, uh, it would be very damaging to me yep. to get a like a personality F.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> a personality F. Yeah. Oh I, if I were to Panga, I would just leave. Like she spends a lot of time with them for her assignment to be butt out of this situation. Mm-hmm. I would just leave. I mean, granted, it's she is kind even though she's not really butt it, she still kind of butts in. Um, what do you mean she's not
0: really? That's She's so wildly unsuccessful. I don't, just oh, because yeah. it's a pantomime does not mean it's not butt Okay, like,
1: <laughs> so why that does does she not, it is I
0: not know. exclusively a verbal butt, okay? <laughs> a verbal but
1: So I just don't understand why she doesn't leave. Although, when uh, she hops on Corey's back to get him to listen to the radio, he flings her off and she really, she really flies. I was like, "Oh my uh, god, are you the okay?" Physical,
0: the physical comedy in that scene is really well done.
1: It is. I couldn't believe that they stuff. I could not believe they didn't give us like a that's so raven like she falls, but there's actually a mat there or whatever. No, she like we watch her hit yeah. the ground. So, yeah. good on you, Danielle. If you have bruises from that, like they are they are well earned cuz that scene was great. For you.
0: I just could, I, I, to answer it, why doesn't she leave? I think that is inherently a part of her inability to not butt in.
1: <laughs> that's fair.
0: You know? She has to be around it, to like, make sure. Accepting that the solution is to walk away, that can't be the solution because that's not an option for her. She can't walk away.
1: Oh, brilliant. So,
0: which again, yeah. I, I refute the claim that she succeeds in not butting in because her pantomime clues are definitively butting in.
1: That's very true. Yeah, that's, I think that's a good point of, she just can't even help herself to not even be in the situation. Even were she to not pantomime, she still wouldn't be able to keep herself from the situation. She just shows up anyway.
0: Well, and you know what? I want to roll things back a little bit. We're talking about her A's and F's and everything later with me. Yes, okay. Now let's assume these were real grades. They do go down mm-hmm. in grade book, okay? I think, based on Feeney's original assignment and based on the end credits here, mm-hmm. she—they all do get A's because Sean does indeed get tickets to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Yep. Corey does indeed help him succeed by getting out of his way. Yes. His assignment was to help him succeed.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: Topanga had no bearing on Sean getting tickets to the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. she And Corey
0: she, discovered that he needed to get out of the way kind of on his own. I guess he, he still didn't even discover it. He like stumbled into it. So,
1: <laughs> which is pretty much the entire show. <laughs> Just right, Corey stumbling right. into life lessons.
0: And so, assuming all three of those things are true, Topanga's is the most wishy-washy. Assuming, in benefit of the doubt, all of those are true, then they do all good
1: I think because, yeah, Topanga butts in in the first half, but not really the second half. As soon as they, as soon as the actual, like, stepping up to the billboard happens the second time when sean is there just kind of thinking Uh and and contemplating she really has no part in anything after taking Corey to the billboard which is so right (laughs) billboard (laughs) she's yawning and he's like all you did was wave a dollar and yawn at me (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny that's i will also say she is definitely butting in but they're just too stupid to understand what she is even saying so
0: well and then you have to get really like nitpicky you know what does Feeney says that the assignment is for her to not butt in right she has, to, mm-hmm. she has to butt out stay out of it right I mean one she's unmonitored but two like how do you define that is is it butting in for Topanga to say like hey I think Sean's probably at the billboard is that butting in or is it not it, is it butting in for her to say hey listen to the radio yeah, is that exactly. In? Is it not that the the parameters of her assignment are too murky upon which to actually assign said grade, which is why I would say that like either these grades are not entered, mm-hmm. which they shouldn't be because it's nonsense, or yes. <laughs> they all got A's because of the supposed success of the end.
1: I think so. At this point, I think Feeny is just so thrilled that Sean learned the lesson that he kind of awards the other two just because they were there <laughs> to, hel- to help Sean. Well, not even, not even really to help Sean, because Corey still like sits down. He's like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. What's happening? So uh-huh. I feel like he's almost just rewarding them because Sean figured it out.
0: Right. You know, and I want to talk about Sean and his metaphor of the Eskimo, okay? Now, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the subject, there, it's probably not super cool to continue to perpetuate that, like, the Eskimos in his way and using that, like, stereotype or something. I there, there's probably something there related to uh stereotyping like native populations and in Inuit uh people, or um,
1: yes, something. I to think that there's, yeah, so, like, let there's me a... let me go ahead and say
0: that, like, I do not know. I am ignorant of this subject and I'm going to talk about it in the context of this show as it's laid out here. And I apologize in advance and would love to be further educated. Slash I should do some reading. Um, (laughs) I I should, I should go and read this. Now I, I can recognize that like there's, it's not great to be like. There's always an Eskimo in my way because if I replace Eskimo, I'm like. There's always a black person in my way. Then I'm like, oh yeah, that's not cool. You
1: can't. No, yeah. <laughs> you little, know, like. It's a little. I iffy.
0: can, in fact, quickly recognize that, like that's not super great to say. Yes. Um, but I want to talk about Sean's metaphor in that while the 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 use of the Eskimos as obstacle, it doesn't really hold up. Uh, mm-hmm. But the idea that. the the system and the odds have been stacked against him. You know, everybody in his school is running a race, except he had to start 200 yards further back from everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, he's got like a cast on and hurdles, right. Uh, There's an argument to be made that, that isn't made often enough. Maybe. All right. This is going to get, this is going to, this is going to broaden out real quick. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to make some broad generalizations here. Uh, I hope they all land uh we'll find out i guess the stereotype of several more racist communities in america have Mm -hmm. to do with like white poor working class people right often Mm -hmm. tend to be associated more closely with racism um and like the in the cartoonists version of it i guess or whatever you want to say right
1: yeah
0: uh and and yet and i think that is because rich racist white people have have you know created a system deliberately so such that to say no you're not poor because of this you're poor because of black people right like that was you know, or you're poor because of brown people coming here and stealing your jobs, sure. right? Like the, yep. the blame, the blame is shifted from the rich white people down to the working class uh, people of color.
1: Yeah. Or even you're not working hard enough or, you know, right. You right. We shift, harder. we shift the blame,
0: right. We shift the yep. blame. So that it's not because the rich white people don't want you to succeed or right. don't want to share. It is because you aren't doing enough or, This is what I think it's not, it's more often, it's not, you aren't doing enough. It's that all of these Mm -hmm. other people that don't look like you are taking your opportunities or your welfare or your whatever. Right. Okay. And so that creates a very racist system, right? Mm -hmm. It creates a lot of lines of division amongst groups of people who have tremendous obstacles in their way at every turn. Whereas if there were class solidarity, instead of division within the class, right? Because now you have working-class white people, working-class brown people, working-class black people, all struggling to make things work because of systems that were not engineered for them, mm-hmm. right? You have kind of have these rich people who have deliberately set them against each other now so that mm-hmm. they don't have class solidarity and can't them for succeed because now they're yeah. fighting amongst themselves and Absolutely. each one of them is the problem instead of the rich person, right? Yes. Anyway. So so all the things Sean lays out here about being poor, basically, as all of his obstacles in his way, right? Growing up
1: in a trailer and uh, and parents not being around. What are, what are all the
0: things he cites? He says...
1: Not having enough money to do things yeah, like go to summer not camp, in, not right, living I mean, in a house. Yeah. And then yeah, obviously there's... we see parents, absent parents on both sides. Mom and dad were both absent for most of his life. So. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And so I just want to, like, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, this, this all hits with Sean, right? In that, like, yeah. by being uh, from a, a poor family that creates so many obstacles and it's, and the system is not built on equity. It is entirely built to, to favor those born into means, you know, and then obviously if you, if Sean weren't white, then there's another big obstacle in this way too. That's been created. Right? Yeah. Uh, the the obstacles sean points out are are very true still to this day i think we're making i don't know hopefully maybe making some strides towards like eliminating obstacles and penalties for being born poor you know we're going to stop penalizing people for having been born into a a poor family
1: (laughs) yeah people Um, can't people don't ask to be born I feel like this is something that is <laughs> You often sure well,
0: one you don't get you don't have to be born and that you certainly if you were no one's like and I'd love to be born into a poor family
1: please. Right like,
0: exactly. You like, know? We, we
1: didn't get to pick and choose man we just we just ended up right. here. But then
0: but then people are penalized like you know the the system entirely penalizes you for being born into a poor family you know. Yeah oh absolutely. Every advantage is afforded to the family born with a child born into means right and i'm not saying that like the the family the the middle class family who has means and and like their children are born into that and get to experience some of these advantages i'm not saying that that family like the the matthews family who are decidedly middle class right for the time i i'm not saying that like they need to pony up and fix the system i'm saying that like we need to raise the others to that level right no one needs to go down except for like the people with more money than they could spend in 10 lifetimes like they can they can step down
1: (laughs) yeah it's just preposterous i if you've got several hundred million
0: dollars you're not gonna miss a couple billion right exactly
1: (laughs) you know but you know who would love that uh, people who don't have houses
0: it's fucking People who don't silly. have food. When people are like, oh, should they have to pay for that? I'm like, well, yeah. yeah. Like, if I have a hundred billion dollars and you take a billion, that is still That's nine <laughs> it's Still 99 billion dollars. <laughs> anyway, tax the rich. Eat the rich. <laughs> eat, the rich. Yep. eat the rich so that kids like Sean and kids who are in even decidedly worse positions than Sean can have a moderate chance at living a average life. Yep. And, I, I, you know, I'm not even saying that, like, I want to lift Sean into, like, he needs a mansion. I'm like, let, let, I don't know, let him have a house. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. give him an apartment, like, house, give people food and a house, and then, yep. like, people have a place to go right
1: that's like the bare minimum. like the bar is so low <laughs> it's like, such a, a low bar for to live and things for people to eat like that is a low bar we're not even it asking for is. like we're not even asking for pet houses for everyone that's not the bar is so low
0: you know i heard an we interesting really thing getting... hey i know i know I'm gonna, I'm gonna go one more time on it though i heard an interesting <laughs> okay. thing i'm oh, sorry so andrew yang who I have some issues with okay but he but i also support some other things right and so i was listening to this podcast that andrew Yang was on where he's talking about universal basic income which i had some hang-ups about when i first was introduced to the idea i was very like oh what i don't mm, i don't know about this Mm -hmm. okay right and i don't know how you felt about universal basic income when the first whenever you first heard about it it, Uh, yeah
1: it was like a it was kind of like a moment where I was like, wait right. uh, I'm gonna need this explained a little bit to me before I hop on board my when I
0: first started I pretty immediately was like, well that's never gonna happen that's fucking stupid <laughs> um, <laughs> that, was, that was my immediate knee-jerk reaction all right and so I had to like and I did some reading and I did some listening and thinking about it and I've come around to it actually now where I'm like oh this is a this is a solid idea And yeah. one thing he said that actually really helped reframe things for me is that universal basic income, is still a capitalist model. It's just where capitalism doesn't start at zero. You know, like it is still capitalism. For so for everyone out there that's really scared of socialism, which like stop being scared of socialism.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, down. <laughs> please dial it back and I'm stop being so of scared of socialism. So I'm scared that. of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, it was like, it, "This is like it is still capitalism, but capitalism doesn't have to start at zero because right. for most." You know, for for plenty of people, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. right? And so, like, it shouldn't for anybody. And once you have people who have met their, like, basic human needs, such as food, water, and a a roof, Mm -hmm. then they can become considerably more productive members of society Mm -hmm. who are then more than well contributing that universal basic income back in dollars Mm -hmm. through do work and like and then they're like well what about this person who just takes advantage of the system i'm like yeah man like there's gonna be some people that do that
1: yeah
0: i don't like okay all right when you when you point out that like somebody may exploit your system and that's a reason not to do that system like yep. people are exploiting every system we have yeah right
1: yep. okay
0: like it's absurd how little money tax billionaires pay in taxes they are exploiting the system and they talk about it bill gates has very openly said that it's absurd that his secretary pays more money in taxes than he does
1: (laughs) yeah oh yeah it's (laughs) preposterous all
0: right and like i'm mildly pro bill gates but then sometimes i'm also like oh but bill i'm i don't like i'm i walk a line there too so
1: far with you yeah
0: (laughs) i know and so like if there are we are already living it with plenty of systems that, like rich people, are exploiting. So, like now, you're just gonna get mad at me that like poor people yep. or people of color might exploit yes. a system to their game. Correct. Like, okay,
1: exactly correct. God oh. forbid, <laughs> right? I just, I'm like, okay, you can't. If, if it's, like a poor working.
0: person is gonna exploit a system to live like a baseline lifestyle. I'm much more okay with that than like yeah, a billionaire I'm... exploiting a system to live more billionaire. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> more billionaire. <laughs> uh, if we named these episodes, I would definitely name this episode this more, billionaire. more billionaire. This
0: one we more billionaire. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so anyway, all I'm saying is that, Sean has a lot of obstacles in his way that are there through a broken system that penalizes people for being born poor and obviously further penalizes people for being born poor as a person of color, which Sean does not experience. Uh, But we can only imagine how much more difficult his struggle, we don't have to imagine, actually. We know how much more difficult that struggle would be. Absolutely. the things he points out could have been fixed by universal basic income. And Chet, yeah, he would have been exploiting that system. Okay, like I get it. 10 10. Chet would have been exploiting universal basic income. I'm not going to pretend he wouldn't have, but it could have helped Sean a lot.
1: Yeah, and uh, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And unless you take strip everything from everyone and just make everyone on ground zero, like someone's going to take advantage of something. That's just how that's going right. to be.
0: Right. And I want to make it clear, I'm like, I have tipped my scales in that I do now support universal basic income, but I'm not like a evangelical for it or anything. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not that far on it. I think that Andrew Yang has some shit that I'm not about. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't like I'm not about to endorse his run for mayor of New York City. But it's an interesting idea that deserves more serious review. And when people are like, well, how are you going to pay for that? My immediate knee-jerk answer is that, like, these fucking billionaires are going to yeah. pay for
1: it. <laughs> okay. Here's a thought. Uh, tax the rich.
0: Yeah. But then he also, it is, he, on this podcast, this is an armchair expert podcast with Dak Shepard. And Andrew Yang went into, like, you know, how are you going to pay for it? He actually had a, a well-reasoned, thought-out answer that wasn't just tax the rich. Like, there was more sure explanation to it. Now it does matter to me how we pay for things because, you know, it, it, it matters to me like, is this money for this, let's say for, for infrastructure, obviously that's, that's Biden's big bill right now. You know, it matters to me where that money comes from. Is it, is it coming from uh, billionaires? Is it coming from lower and middle-class people in tech? Like it's, it's going to come in the form of taxes almost certainly. Yeah. And so like, you know, who's, who's bearing that matters.
1: We could, uh, I don't know, federally legalize marijuana and then uh, tax that maybe because there's yeah. nothing wrong with marijuana. But that's just my personal opinion.
0: <laughs> well, the thing that's wrong with marijuana is that the white European folks years ago liked alcohol and all the <laughs> native and black and brown people liked marijuana. So that yep. was what was, quote, wrong with marijuana. Uh, once upon a time, it's really fucking ridiculous that I can go and drink myself into oblivion for like ten dollars in a dive bar, yeah. whereas I I could go. You know, people go to jail every day for carrying you can plants. Literally,
1: drink yourself to death.
0: Yeah, and
1: that shit is legal. It's incredible right? to me.
0: It's, an, it's fucking insane how how pervasive the thought process behind alcohol and marijuana is. And I'm like you you know that like alcohol is a billion dollar industry yeah and it is poison
1: oh literal, <laughs> like, literal poison. it is
0: categorically poison and this fucking plant
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. grows and like <laughs> yep. yeah oh it's preposterous people are thrown it's uh, like when you break it down to its bare components, it's like, okay, so this deadly poison that results in wild impairment and or death, you know, you want to get that, awesome, we'll give it to you however you want it. But this plant that in small doses, you may not even really notice, besides a slight calming effect. And in Correct. large doses, you'll probably just be induced to like lay down. Yep. Uh, that <laughs> one. That one's gotta go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. You know, like at its worst, you're yeah. gonna probably lay down for a long time.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. At <laughs> my know, very no like, highest, no one's wrapping their
0: car around a telephone pole because they smoked no. too much. No.
1: At my very highest, I took a six hour nap and that's, that's my story. <laughs> like, like, right. that's it.
0: I, at my very highest, I threw up a bunch, but like, I threw up a lot more from being very drunk. So
1: correct. <laughs>
0: <Absolutely>. <laughs> okay. I have been a lot drunker and been a lot sicker on alcohol. So
1: mm-hmm. very true. So the B plot.
0: <laughs> wow, I'm sorry. We really ran for a while. There. That was my fault. Mild. I did that. It was
1: fine. I had fun. Yeah, I had a good time. So the B plot, I actually think this B plot is pretty funny, where the boys obviously don't do right by the girls. And I appreciate the fact that the girls stand up for themselves. And they're just like, what are you doing? Goodbye. Also, I love that Eric's mug at the beginning is from the Matthews house. Like, he stole that mug when he left yeah Yeah. (laughs) fully stole the mug you
0: know what i I learned from the b plot what that eric and jack should just date each other ah
1: yes oh they should just get together absolutely well and uh, jack said something about like eric's an idiot i lay out his clothes in the morning and i'm like okay but like also you that is one of your best relationships in general so like why wouldn't you want the female equivalent of that because then there it's going to be a complimentary situation he when or he said, why
0: doesn't Jack just want Eric? The two of them, or could just why
1: don't they just date get together, and get married forever? Yeah. Yes, well they um, could get married, yeah, but they could get together. no. That's true. <laughs> it's true. Also, I don't understand why there was like a predestined like you're with this person, I'm with this person. Why didn't they just all go on like a group outing and see who naturally falls with whom? I don't know. It kind of
0: seems like they were like planned double dates of some sort. I don't know.
1: but are these the are these the two girls from the ground when he was just like hey you two which is so funny to me
0: (laughs) yeah i don't know that's a good point i guess
1: because i think if they're those girls from there then like they don't have any preconceived notion of what personality is going to work with what and so it seems silly to pre-designate that before going out as uh like a on a double date just go out all four of you and then see what happens just let it kind of happen naturally
0: yeah that would have been good
1: but yes eric and jack should be together forever and that's uh, obviously that's
0: we just what i have to
1: say on that
0: mm-hmm. i don't like the actresses
1: they're not my say. favorite
0: i don't they're think not they not do really excellent work i think they're kind of both not not great actresses and i i don't know i just whatever it is maybe it's the writing i'm not sure I just don't like their performances very much.
1: It's not something that I'm necessarily like, I didn't care for their, they're just very forgettable. Like I forgot that this happened in this episode. I forgot that this happened really in general. If you had said something, I would have been like, oh yeah. Cause I just, it's just very forgettable.
0: It feels like both of them were just maybe trying a little too hard with the, like to put, to push it, to push the like outrage. I don't know
1: hmm well yeah I like it, much. I it. <laughs> it. I feel like put, when put against Matthew Lawrence and Will Friedle like they're just so brilliant also that yeah. everyone else kind of pales in comparison like any scene any person who shares a scene with these two is just gonna be the odd man out because they're so brilliant it, even in this they're just especially Will of course you know I just love him more than anything he is so brilliant in this he's like sitting in her lap it's so funny. It's just so yeah. funny.
0: Well, and I hope that they both have very successful careers. Maybe it's just not maybe this show, this episode is just not all right for them. Um Fair. they they were just not my faves. Which is funny, I'm I'm saying all this and I'm thinking about like when I teach And people, like, talk about whether they liked or disliked something. I push those students to tell me what they liked or disliked and to Mm -hmm. use, like, why in their criticism as opposed to just they liked it or didn't like it. And I'm failing at that right now, so.
1: Well, uh, you're a hypocrite then. Mm, Interesting. I'm a
0: hungry, hungry hypocrite, yeah.
1: (laughs) I wanted to look up their names. Um, So neither of them on the... uh, on IMDb, neither of them have like pictures, so I don't think they did a whole... Oh, well, one of them does. Carol, It's Carol and Jill, right? Mm-hmm. So Mindy Spence and Caroline Keenan are the two actresses, and one of them... Or play? no, sorry, Mindy Spence. Did she play um,
0: Jill? Yes. She was the one I liked less, so... <laughs> well,
1: there you go. There you go. Um... She did
0: not... She just, like, felt stiff. She felt... And I get, like, the character is, like, kind of stiff, but she was so stiff and and dry. And I was, like, I don't know that, like, you don't seem comfortable as an actor here. Yeah. Uncomfy as an actor. And that would lead me to believe that she did not continue to pursue acting.
1: I was going to say, it looks like she did some stuff in, like, the early 90s. But then getting into the 2000s, she did, like, two things. And then she Mm -hmm. was, like... She did a couple episodes of that '70s show, though, and one of King Mm. of King Queens, a King of Queens. But Caroline Keenan actually looks like she's done some stuff. She was in some Mm. not like giant movies, but like The Day After Tomorrow and I Am Sam. She was in an episode with of Friends. She did okay for herself. Do love
0: The Day After Tomorrow. She's one of the people in the library, isn't she?
1: Uh, her name is Tina. So I don't. I've only seen it once, and it was a long time ago.
0: Yep, she totally is in the library with Jake Gyllenhaal.
1: <laughs> anyway, who is your MVP? Uh,
0: Feeny. It's Feeny.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is the
0: Feeny show.
1: I it's didn't Feeney even. Feeny meets world. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's Feeny meets morons and teaches them how to fix their lives. That's what it should right. be called.
0: Right. I idiots.
1: wrote MVP, and then next to it, I wrote Feeny, obviously. Sure.
0: No contest.
1: Well, great. All Those right. These are all of my notes. I feel like yeah. this is probably gonna be a longer episode than normal. So sorry, everybody. This apologizes
0: so for here. the length of the episode at <laughs> the end of the
1: episode. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Better late than never. You know what I'm saying?
0: I'm not sorry. I I appreciate that you listened to the whole thing.
1: Yeah, thanks. We can rephrase you, it to thank you, you for sticking
0: talk with about us. Eating the rich. Let's talk about it. Hit yeah, up. man.
1: Yeah, we are on Instagram. At the Feeney Call podcast, we're on Twitter and Facebook at PhoeniCall. Call, and you can also send us an email, Feeney Call podcast at gmail. You can leave us a voicemail if you have uh, any little tidbits about this episode, or just want to ask us a question. We can answer it if it has to do with Boy Meets World. We're <laughs> kind of the experts. We did win at Boy Meets World trivia uh, like two years ago, so
0: that's true. We did. We back did. In 20, back in the before times
1: yes uh, back in the uh, the the good old days when
0: you could go to bar trivia
1: yep what was that like Wow I know. thank you guys so much for listening and uh next week is a big deal so see you, trip yep it's happening it's all happening <laughs> yes
0: yeah oh sure. should okay uh as always class dismissed.